You are now listening to the Keys and Anklets podcast, your one-stop source for frank and honest information about the hot wife and cuckold lifestyles. You can find this episode on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio, or you can head to www.keysandanklets.com and subscribe right from the website. Now, let's get to the good stuff with the host who separates fact from fiction, Michael C. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keys and Anklets. I'm your host, Michael C. <laughs> Just joking. This is actually Mr. Mocha from the Old Faces podcast. I will be the guest host on Keys and Anklets today. And I bet you're wondering yourself, why is this guy guest hosting on the Keys and Anklets show? Well, first things first, I want to wish Keys and Anklets a happy anniversary. This is a fourth year anniversary. Uh, the very first podcast that Michael C. released was back in 2018. And um, we felt it would only be fitting that the guest should be the host. So without further ado, I want to introduce the guest that you know, Michael C. Welcome to your show, Michael C. <laughs> thank, thank you for the introduction, my brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. <laughs> you know, this is a, this is something that was uh, that's pretty exciting. Number one, it was it's a privilege that you asked me to be on your show for your fourth year anniversary. And um, it was even nicer when we brainstormed the concept to to let you sit back and and tell the people a little bit about yourself. You and I speak for hours on end, but I think there's a lot about, about you that people don't know. And I think that um, it's time that they get to know you a little better. Well, like I said, brother, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in your hands for this episode. So I'm sitting in the guest chair, so I have no idea what you're going to (laughs) ask. You know, listen, we start with the basics and work our way up. Um, you and I always talk about the ins and outs of the lifestyle. And one of the things that I think that has always been very unique about you is that you have always approached the lifestyle from a very different viewpoint. A lot of bulls get into the lifestyle and they're just, you know, they're going in head first. And I'm not talking about the one that's attached to their neck. Um, <laughs> You've always had more of a, you've always been more of a thinker and a feeler, you know, in the lifestyle. So before we get to your, your lifestyle, I want to know as a person, what was it that made you decide that you want to be so in tune to the people and really get the experience it from more of a psychological and emotional standpoint as a bull. What, what are your origins? What made you say, Hey, this is how I want to experience the lifestyle. Uh, good question, brother. Um, I guess for me, it started like, I was always one of those kids that was like, uh, taking stuff apart, trying to put it back together. You know, um, if something didn't work right, I mean, I wasn't always successful in putting it back together, but I was always, I was always curious as to how things worked. Um, you know, uh, I remember, uh, my grandmother didn't have much at her house, but when my mom would take me and my sister over there, 
you know, like a lot of houses back then, a lot of people, you know, she had a set of, of world book encyclopedias. I guess a salesman came to her house one day and knocked on the door and she, she bought a set and they just collected dust. But when we would go over there, I would read them like books, you know what I'm saying? Like just figuring out how stuff worked, learning about stuff. So how that transfers to this is I've always been curious about what motivates people to do whatever it is that they do. And so okay. having stumbled across this lifestyle, it, it was just, it was just, it, it made me extremely curious. You know, why would somebody do this? Why would they do it this way? Why would they do it that way? You know, basically just, just, just being, you know, just being nosy <laughs> and having, having that curious spirit. And then, you know, when the podcast launched, it was like, wow, people are allowing me to be nosy, you know? Mm. So that's kind of where it all comes from is just always having this curiosity. I mean, I was, I was, I was that kid, that nephew where the uncles were get, you know, and my aunts would get frustrated because I was always, you know, why this, why that, how does this work? How does that work? I mean, just firing questions at him like all the time. So just an inquisitive, yeah, just, an, just an inquisitive nature. That's where it comes yeah. from. You know, that's pretty, that's pretty, it's funny because you and I still have those type of conversations where, you know, there's often when one of us will introduce a, a topic and a lot of times you've asked me, why do I approach it this way? Mm -hmm. So I get to turn that around today. A lot of guys in the lifestyle, there was something there's something about a lot of bulls in the lifestyle that make them approach it with where they want to be dominant, mm -hmm. but a lot of them are dominant and not sensitive. You have been able to blend those two things together where you are very sensitive to the needs of, of the people who you are around. And yet you still have the ability to take on the role as a dominant bull. You know, you have a very good mix of the two. Mm -hmm. What experiences in your life made you so, I guess, sensitive to the needs of a lot of the, the females who you've interacted with in the lifestyle? Um, I'd probably say, you know, me and you talk about this all the time and we always talk about how there's a, you know, being dominant is a lot more than slapping ass, pulling hair and, you know, and calling her dirty names. And, you know, I've, I've never hidden the fact on the show that, you know, I live in a, in a poly dynamic and, you know, I have a, a girlfriend and I have a slave and it's very humbling when someone basically comes to you and puts their life in the palm of your hand. And it's basically like, okay, I want you to guide me. I want you to lead me where you point me. I will go. And you understand that, okay, this is real. You know what I'm saying? And there's a lot of responsibility uh, that, that, that comes with that power. And, you know, it's not all about, you know, just using this person for your pleasure. It's basically like this person is putting that responsibility in your hands to make sure with, with the understanding that you're going to take care of them. You're going to make sure that their needs are met. You're not just going to be totally selfish and take, take, take. 
And yeah. I think I'm going to pause you there because yeah. I think that's kind of the question I was asking because <clears throat> that's it. You've, I've always found that you have a very, you're very nurturing. And I know that that's one of the things that I've, I've, I've always noticed with you. Like you're very, you're a nurturing person. When people ask me what, what, what molded my personality, mm-hmm. I know it was because I was raised by my dad and I was raised by, I was always around a bunch of, just a bunch of guys, even though I have, you know, five sisters, I was still raised, raised by a bunch of guys. And that nurturing part and the more, I guess, sensitive part is something that I had to learn. That was not necessarily my foundation. I was always very protective, but I was not necessarily as nurturing. So before we get to the lifestyle aspect, what is it that, that made you, what is it that, that, that gives you that nurturing nature in the lifestyle? Okay. I feel where you're coming from. Well, I guess my upbringing would be kind of, I guess the, the opposite of yours um, in the sense that, you know, uh, raised by a single mom and not just raised by a single mom, but everybody who I was around all of my friends were raised by single moms. You know, I went to a boarding school and in order to go to that boarding school, you had to be from a single parent situation. So basically 90% of the people I grew up around up until I was 18 years old were all people from situations where they were being raised by a single mom. So I was around these women, you know what I'm saying? And I, I guess it rubbed off and you, you absorb it because it's, it's, it, you know, every house I went over, you know what I'm saying? A sleepover here, you know, hanging out with a friend there, you know, being in school, being at home, like everywhere I went, there was a, a very, very nurturing environment because these women were, they were basically just doing it by themselves. You know what I'm saying? Holding it down and, and, and taking care of their kids and everything. So I guess it kind of just rubbed off on me on that, but with the main person being, you know, I probably say my mother and, and my grandmother, cause they were, you know, both very, 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 very loving and, 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 and nurturing women, you know, and I was a good kid. So I got loved on a lot. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So, okay. So now we fast forward. All right. We fast forward to, you know, you move further. So we, we've got the foundation of that the part that creates that, that more of a nurturing behavior with the couples or the, the, the females who you associate with and who you uh, deal with in lifestyle. So now where, where do we go from 18 to the point where you start making a transition from nurturing to starting to assert your dominance what was it that made you start to assert that dominance that will eventually work will eventually lead you into a role of a bull um that, that that's an interesting progression um i've shared this again i've, I've shared a lot of stories on, on my podcast but <clears throat> i as a as a teen and and into my early 20s uh 
I was a very like insecure type of guy when it came to dealing with, with women. You know what I'm saying it wasn't that I was uncomfortable around women. I had a, you know, a lot of female friends. It's just for whatever reason, what I can say for the reason, I know the reason I was constantly being, being put into the friend zone. Right. Oh. But yet I was always around women. So I would always hear them talk about what they liked about guys, what they didn't like about guys and everything like that. So I always had this tremendous insight into the way that women think. And when I would be in situations where I would have a girlfriend, I was, I was, I was very, I'm, I was very attentive. I mean, like I'm a high maintenance guy in the sense that I give a lot of attention. I'm saying, and when you deal with a person who doesn't require a lot of attention, that can come off as like, you're too much, like you're smothering me, like back off a kind of thing. And so as I transitioned out of that, that insecure phase, that desire to give attention, it didn't stop. But what I learned, you know, after kind of, you know, having my first taste of the lifestyle was encountering women who have a submissive nature and learning that, you know, those women enjoy having attention. I'm saying it's, it's not a romantic type of attention. I'm saying, but being a dominant with a submissive still requires you to give attention. And what I discovered was not only do they like attention, but for them, there's no such thing as too much attention. And so it's something that just kind of fit me naturally. Like, Oh wait, I can, I can still give attention. It's just, taking on a different form and I can give it endlessly. You, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, getting further into the lifestyle and, and learning that I, I enjoy having that level of control. I enjoy having that level of responsibility. Like, cause I know I'm going to make sure she, like you said earlier, I'm going to make sure she gets what she needs. You know what I'm saying? So now when you say, so when you say, okay, you are able to now, because we're, we're, so your transition, did your, your transition happen pre-lifestyle or did it happen as you're getting into the lifestyle? It, it happened as I was getting into it. Like prior to the lifestyle, I had already come out of my insecure phase, meaning I was a lot more confident, you know, I mean, engaging women and, you know, I was no longer finding myself, you know, being thrust into the friend zone and, 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 and all of that. So I was already you know, in a very comfortable space with how I interacted with women by the time the lifestyle came along. It's just mm. the lifestyle and, and, you know, encountering these women with these submissive desires and, and just submissive energy, you know, you find that, Oh, okay. I, 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 I like directing. I like being in control. Like I, like this fits me. This is comfortable for me. You know, like it yeah. never, it never felt like, it never felt like overwhelming. And, you know, it, I enjoyed paying attention to the details, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, that was, that was very comforting to me. And not only was it comforting to me, but once I found out that they enjoyed it, then it made it a lot easier for me to just throw caution to the wind and just dive completely into it. Because for mm. me, it it gave me a way to scratch that itch, but without 
without it being read the wrong way. In other words, it wasn't about, you know, like I said, it's not a romantic kind of attention. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's not that, you know, I'm trying to set up the evening with the candlelights and the sheets and the music and the, and the meal. And it's, it's, it's different. I mean, it's, it's okay. I'm going to anticipate what you need. I'm going to find out what you need. I'm going to control what you need, but I'm going to make sure that you're, that you're taken care of. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And, okay. and enjoying that. I mean, en- enjoying being in that space, enjoying paying that kind of, a, of a, uh, paying that kind of attention to them. So it's just something that fit me naturally once I learned about it. Cause I didn't, I didn't really know about it. I mean, of course, you know, you look at porn when you're little and you come across books or, you know, you see stuff in movies. Like I was aware of what, you know, I had this kind of casual awareness of like things like BDSM and, you know, dominance and submissive, but it was very, very, very limited. Just a snapshot here, a snapshot there. It wasn't until I got into the lifestyle and started going down that rabbit hole that it really started to become evident to me what it was and more importantly, what it was not. Gotcha, gotcha. It just fit me like a glove. So at some point, all right, so you're looking at the transition. So at some point, did you... And this is this is kind of we're, we're going to circle back to something else in a second. But so you went from a situation where you found that a lot of the females who you interacted with did not couldn't handle the amount of attention you gave them to stepping into uh, a lifestyle space where the women who you were dealing with wanted the attention. Mm-hmm. So women who were in more of a submissive headspace. So now you step into the lifestyle. At what point do you encounter or have you encountered women who were very dominant that you were, that, that you were able to transition them into that submissive headspace, or let's say the women who the type of woman who at one time would have said, okay, I don't want this or I can't handle this so much attention have you encountered women in a lifestyle or in your travels that were like that, but you were able to transition them into more of a, a submissive space? Um, well, it's what I, what I, you know, tell people now, as far as, you know, my dominant, you know, the dominant energy that I have is, you know, being dominant is not what I do. It's just, it's just who I am. It's just, it's just me being, and when I encounter a woman, my objective is not to dominate her. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just going to be myself. And what winds up happening is some women just respond to that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm not trying to do anything. I'm just being me. And even if they didn't think that they were submissive prior to dealing with me, just in dealing with me, they find it to be a very comfortable place to go. You know, whether that's through the building of trust. And it's like, okay, this is something that I've always wanted to do, but I felt like I couldn't do because I never trusted anybody this much. Or if it's just, Oh, there's just something about this guy that makes me want to, you know, that makes me want to go there. I mean, one of the things that I've often said is, you know, when you're dominant with someone, it's not about making somebody do something. It's not about giving orders and giving instructions and, 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 and everything like that. 
it for me it's more about because of the way that you make them feel you inspire something within them to want to make you happy to want to please you so what mm-hmm. then happens is your orders your instructions are basically you're just kind of giving them a roadmap on how to please you you know it's like okay cool i see that you have the strong desire to please me so i'm going to say hey if you do a b and c you are guaranteed to please me you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. it's not that i do anything intentionally to try to you know to try to change these women or you know steer them into being submissive i'm just me and it just so happens that sometimes they they respond to that cuz i don't want people to get the impression that i try like i said that i try to like dominate anybody that i come across i mean i'm perfectly content dealing with a woman who is not submissive at all but i just make yeah, sure they yeah. understand that if you cuz i mean i don't hide it they know who i am and what i'm about and i always tell them like if you don't have any desire to be submissive to me that's fine i'm not going to throw any kind of dominant energy at you but if in our course of dealing with each other if you display any kind of submissive energy towards me i'm going to react to it you know what i'm saying mm. like i i i can't it's it's to the point now where it's impossible for me to not react to it when i sense it when i feel it like i don't so what about if you have a woman who have you encountered women who are who've thrown a dominant energy in your direction or who, who have tried to, who I guess in encountering them, their attempt was to be dominant as opposed to submissive. Have you had that? And if so, how, how do you respond to that? Uh, yeah, I've had it and it, it, it makes for some funny interactions actually. <laughs> um, and I tell them, and this is, this is, this is not coming from a, a place of ego or machismo or, or anything like that. But I've been honest with them and said, look, I, I genuinely, I genuinely don't have a submissive fiber to my being. I mean, like I, 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 it's, it's just not there. So whenever I sense a woman, you know, like trying to, you know, put dominant energy in my direction, to be honest, it kind of makes me laugh because it's like, I see what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And it, I, I, I find it, it makes, you know, it makes me chuckle and I don't do it on purpose because I know as a dominant, the last thing you want is somebody to laugh at you when you're trying to be, you know, dominant, you know, cause let's be honest, it's all kind of a mind fuck anyway. You know, the submissive mm. is the one with all the power. Um, so I, I get it, but it's just when they say things or when they do things in my mind, I'm like, that's that's what I would say. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I see what you're doing. I I've done that before. You know. Mm-hmm. So So how do you respond to it? Or let me phrase that. Have you ever in that in that type of situation when you meet a woman who is who is truly dominant, is that a woman who you wind up saying, Okay, well, we are going to wind up being in a friend zone, or is it because I know that you, in a lot of a lot of occasions, you know, you're you're patient and you you sometimes like to work a process, but also know that you won't waste your time working the process if you don't think that it's workable. Mm. So when you encounter that that female who's extremely dominant, how do you approach that? 
once we've established that, okay, you're dominant, I'm dominant, what's next? Uh, nah, I mean, I've, I've got women like that that I deal with, you know what I'm saying? And, and I have fun with them. It's just an understanding of, okay, I won't try to dominate you. You don't try to dominate. Like, let's just enjoy each other. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's, let's, mm-hmm. turn, let's turn off that part of our brains. You know what I'm saying this is not about a power struggle. Let's just enjoy being around each other. You know what I'm saying? And if you've got somebody submissive that you're dealing with, like you, you know that you can share those stories with me. If I've got questions and advice that I'm looking for, I know that I can bounce it off you. If you've got, you know, questions or, you know, advice that you're looking for, you can bounce things off of me. In other words, we can have a dynamic, we can have a friendship, we can have a relationship that just doesn't have that, 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 that dominant energy in it. You know what I'm saying? But again, I'll let them know, Hey, stick to your guns. Because if you, if I, if I detect that moment, (laughs) it's, it's, it's going to come out. You know what I'm saying? Like if we, it seems like she's going to be, it seems like she's going to have the same goal as you've been. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, and I, I expect the same from her. Like if I, if I display any, you know, submissive energy towards you, then by all means, I would, I would expect you to act on it. I just know that it's it's not going to come. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Um, and she might be confident that it's not going to come from her either. And sometimes it doesn't. But then, I mean, I've been in those situations where she was adamant about not being that way. And then time passes. And next thing you know, she is that way. Um, you know, and again, I think sometimes it has to do with trust. You know I'm saying for some people, like they they have that side to them, but they don't trust either themselves or the person that they're dealing with to expose themselves in that way. So they always maintain that, that kind of dominant edge. So I get it and I respect it. And I, if a woman tells me that she's not, I don't, I don't push the issue. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha, I don't, gotcha. I'm not trying to force her into that, into that space. Into just, that role. Yeah. yeah. Just, I mean, you can't, you can't really force submission. Exactly. Submission. To me, submission is something that is, is given. Absolutely. Uh, so let's circle back. Let's circle back now to your very first, your very first lifestyle experience. Now we're going to say lifestyle. If it, it may not have been in a hot wife or cold, cold dynamic, just your first lifestyle experience. What was your first lifestyle experience? Um, well, it's, it's, I guess it's kind of a two part answer for that and that is like there was something that happened that i didn't realize was a lifestyle moment until i was in the lifestyle and it was like oh that's what that was you know what i'm saying and that was you know being younger having a girl you know going out to the club and but not going to the club together like i would go with my boys she would go with her girls and inevitably she would be dancing with, with another guy. And you, you know how it is, you know, your boys see your girl dancing with somebody, somebody's going to come up to you and be like, yo, your girl, did you know your girl was in there dancing with some dude? You know what I'm saying? Like expecting you to run in there and intervene and break it up. Even though you might've been dancing with another chick at the time they told you. Um, so I would always tell them that, you know, yeah, I see her. It doesn't bother me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know who she's going home with. Like that, that was the speech that I would give them. The part that I didn't tell them was that the shit turned me on. 
I'm saying like, I would even tell her like, look, if you're dancing with somebody and you see me, you don't have to stop dancing, but like, look at me, like make, like, I don't want to feel like I'm perving and just, I mean, stalking you. You know what I'm saying? So like, look at me, like, like I want you to see me looking at you. And of course I never shared that with any of them because they had a hard enough time understanding, trying to understand why I didn't get jealous. So I knew if I told them that it turned me on, they, their heads would probably explode. So that was the first thing that started happening that made me start to think that, okay, I'm, I'm a lot different from the guys I hang around with. So fast mm-hmm. forward to my first lifestyle experience. Um, you know, I've, I've always, I, you know, I was a sexual kid reading and, movies and exploring and, and, and things like that. So I was always aware of swinging, but I never thought that it was a door uh, that was open to me because it required two people. You know, it required, you know, swinging with couples, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, I never felt like I could get a girl to agree to do that. You know what I'm saying? So I just, I knew about it, but it was like this distant Island and I didn't have the boat to get to that Island. Um, so, you know, being online and in chat rooms and things like that, I started to hear, you know, I started to hear this chatter that, you know, there were couples out there that, you know, were not just interested in single guys, but like specifically looking for single black guys. And I was like, Oh, single black guy. Okay. I can do that. You know, I, I can check that box. So I started searching, I mean, looking, talking to people, whatever, whatever. And a short time after learning about it, you know, I started talking to a couple that lived in my area. You know, we made plans to get together and, you know, got the hotel room and went and saw them and everything. And, and, you know, and as I've often actually said on my show, that very first couple that I played with was actually a cuckold couple. I, I just didn't know it. I didn't know what cuckolding was saying. And so in the middle of us, messing around playing one of them called me sir and this is where the 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 dominant thing started to you know started to kick in was one of them called me sir and at first you know in my in my head i'm like did did somebody call me sir i'm like nah i'm tripping (laughs) like they got no reason to call me sir i'm just hearing things right Mm -hmm. so you know just ignored it kept going and then one of them said it again and I was like, oh, okay, I know I heard it that time. Then it was like, well, why, why would they call me sir? Like, they're older than me. Like, why would they, do they think I'm in the military or something? Like, why, why would they call me sir? And I had- So I have to pause you there and ask a question. Yeah. At that, at that point, were you, that question, was it, had you not identified that, I guess that submissive behavior during the interaction or it was the first time you encountered it. So you weren't familiar with that submissive behavior. Exactly. Like, like, like not in such an overt way. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it would, there's nothing subtle about like, like knowing what I know about it now and knowing what you know about it now, there's nothing subtle about that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But at the time being that I had never experienced it before, I didn't know what it was. I mean, like, like I, I was just happy to be in my first experience. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't anticipate any of the other s- submissive stuff coming into, like I said, I didn't even know what that was, but all I did know was that I liked it. Like I liked how 
you know, like I didn't know what I was doing. I was just going with the flow, but I liked it. Like I liked that. Oh, okay. Get over here. And she would do it. Mm. Go, go sit over there. And he would do it. Get in this position and she would do it. So, you know, it's like, you're like, you're testing stuff out. Like, okay, suck my dick this way. She would do it. You know, choke on my dick. Oh shit. She did it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, and I liked it. Like I liked how I could, I was just able to like direct stuff the way that I wanted to. And so after that experience ended, you know, I went home. So this was also your introduction to a openly submissive behavior. Dude, this was my introduction to pretty much everything. It was my first time. It was my first lifestyle experience. It was my first time playing with a cuckold couple. It was my first time dealing with like that raw, submissive sexual energy. You know what I'm saying? Like it was like all of that happened with the first experience. So it was like sensory overload. You know what I'm saying? So let's just say my brain was working like crazy on that drive home, you know, and I got home and I just like immediately jumped on the computer and went, you know, the different chat rooms that I had been in. And I just, I just opened Pandora's box. You know, I would, I just started, you know, asking people questions and talking to people and, you know, I would role play online. Like I was, I was doing any, everything that you could think of online and in chat rooms. Cause I just, I just wanted to learn about it. Cause I, like I said, I didn't know what it was, but I, but I know that I liked the feeling that it gave me. So here's my question though. At this point, being that this was your first introduction to a truly submissive behavior, you experience this, you go home. And at this point, do you research the cuckolding aspect or do you also research how to properly fit into the role as a dom? Did you have to kind of train yourself in that role? Yeah, there was some training, but I mean, I was, I was trying to absorb, like I was reading everything. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't, I didn't compartmentalize, like I didn't separate okay, well, I'm going to look at this today or look at that tomorrow. Like I was, I was just trying to absorb everything and every, every little interaction I was having was, was teaching me more, teaching me more, whether it was an online interaction or an in-person interaction on the phone interaction, you know, it was, it was everything. Like I was, I was reading everything. I was trying everything. You know, I would try to apply what I learned. Sometimes things work. Sometimes things didn't work. You know, uh, when you say sometimes things work, sometimes did, sometimes things didn't work. Give me an example of things that you would try to apply that you learn in a real life situation that, OK, this didn't work. I'm going to have to. Because this is something I, that I've always been very interested in when I meet certain bulls in a lifestyle, because I know for me, I was exposed to submissive behavior very early in my life. Mm -hmm. So by the time I, I actually hit the lifestyle, it was, it was, it was really pretty much all I know, but I've always been interested in seeing how, 
seeing the transition that a lot of a lot of bulls make from I guess the vanilla world to the lifestyle to learning to learning how to to learning how to be dominant as opposed to as opposed to it just kind of naturally happening. So when you were trying new things, what things that you try and say, okay, this didn't work. I'm going to have to adjust this. What's an example of that? Um, an example would be like something as simple as like the way you talk to somebody, you know, like trying to be uh, assertive or trying to speak in that authoritative type of tone, but not really understanding what needs to come before that. I'm saying so I might say something without having done the necessary without having laid the necessary groundwork yet. And since I was still new, I wasn't giving off the proper energy. I'm saying Mm. like it's like a kid that you see walking around in like his dad's shoes. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like he's trying, but the shoes obviously don't fit like they're obviously too big for him. You know, so I, so when I would say things or when I would try things, I didn't have that conviction behind it. So the women that I was trying it with in the beginning weren't really responding the way that I thought they would, but it was because there was no conviction behind it. There was no real energy behind it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It, It seemed like I was just playing. So sometimes I would get like a laugh, like a chuckle. Hey, you so crazy kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like one of those. And I'm like, I'm not trying to be crazy right now. I'm serious. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't, I didn't know at the time. Cause I'd like, you know, I have a conversation or I read something online and it's like, okay, next time I'm with somebody, I'm going to try that, you know, and I would try it. And it's like, Oh, that, those weren't the results I was looking for. You know what I'm saying? And it was because she could sense that, Oh, you're just messing around with this. You don't really know what you're doing. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Now, fortunately for me, I was a quick study and I I learned from the mistakes that I made. Um, and so it it wasn't long before I was like, oh, okay, I, I got the hang of this. And then once I got the hang of it, then I just started building on it. Like once I got the foundation, I'm saying I, you know, I I started, you know, I started uh, you know, building on it. And one thing I do want to mention, um, and, and this was a, a, a pivotal part in, in my own journey, and it's one of the things that it gives me a tremendous amount of empathy for wives that struggle, like the wives and cuckold couples that struggle with humiliating their husbands. Like that's the thing that most wives struggle with the most, like that's the part of it that gives them the most trouble. And that is in my journey, you know, when I learned that it excited me to dominate a woman, whether it's, you know, calling her a slut or a whore or, call, you know, calling her names or tying her up or spanking her or like just the thought of, you know, just using her like a slut. Like when, when I learned that that kind of thing turned me on, it worried me at first because, like I said, I, I grew up around a lot of single women. and so. They were single because the men, basically, to be honest, the men in their life wasn't shit. 
I'm saying? So I saw a lot of women being treated poorly by men. And sometimes there was abuse involved. And so it, it, it worried me because I was like, yo, is that how these, is that how they started? Does this mean that I'm going to become this guy that doesn't respect women? And being someone who had a tremendous amount of respect for women, that scared the shit out of me because the last thing I wanted to be was like them. And so I was fortunate enough to, you know, in my travels, like I said, being online and talking and trying to be a sponge and soak up everything that I could, a, a, a pivotal moment for me came. I met um, an older black dom who lived in my area. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, we, we, you know, we agreed to meet. I mean, met up, had a drink, and he just schooled me. I mean, like, he just schooled me on, like, he was an old head cat. Like, he was doing it before the internet. You know what I'm saying? So I always tip my hat to the people that were doing it because they, they had to really work at it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he really helped me a lot because he got me to understand how everything worked. You know what I mean? Like he took me, you know, he, you know, he was the first dude to like, you know, share his women with me like that. Like, come on, young blood. I got you. I got this wife over here. I'm going to take you with me. And I would sit back and kind of like watch him do his thing. And the way he handled the situation. And I remember how happy I was when I finally got to the point where I had somebody to share with him. Like, I'll, I couldn't wait. I was like, yo, you know, I got this couple coming in. Won't you come by the hotel and chill? Like, I wanted to show him what I had learned. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, him getting me to understand the importance of consent. You know what I'm saying? It was like, yo, it's not like you walking up to a woman on the street or in the club or something and calling her out her name or treating her a certain way. Like you're, you're doing this in a consensual environment. In other mm. words, it's not a bad thing if she not only enjoys being treated a certain way, but wants you to be the person to do it mm-hmm. like that, that there's nothing wrong with that as long as she's consenting to it. And that's, the correlation between the wives that struggle with the humiliation is even if people on the outside don't understand it, as long as you understand that being treated this way makes your husband happy. And even Mm -hmm. though it may make you feel comfortable initially because it's not what we're taught. I mean, we're told not to talk to people that way. Just like I was taught not to treat women like that. I was taught not to call women those names. But what do you do if she enjoys, not only if she enjoys being treated and talked to that way, but if you enjoy doing it, then is it okay? And then you learn, you know, what I learned was, yeah, it is okay. Again, consent. That's the most important part, consent. So once I had a full understanding of the consensual part of it, everything took off for me because it, 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 it goes back to what you said earlier about my nurturing nature. In other words, as weird as it may seem, if you enjoy being treated like a slut and I make you feel like a slut, then aren't I doing a good thing? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, aren't I making you feel good? So, yeah. So if you enjoy being treated like a slut, then you know what? I'm going to make you feel like the biggest slut walking the face of the earth (laughs) because I want you to feel good. (laughs) you know what i'm saying if you if you enjoy like whatever it is you enjoy i'm gonna make sure i give it to you in spades pardon the pun 
yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's kind of how my mind kind of pieced it all together and what allowed it to just kind of take off for me because at the end of the day, you're making somebody feel good, even if people on the outside looking in don't see it like that. Okay, now, so you... So now you, you're comfortable in that role. You've studied it, you researched it, you 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 tried and failed and tried again, and you 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 start to get success. Mm-hmm. Um, now, once you're doing this, the the next question I have is: I know my first experience with a cuckold couple <clears throat> um, was awkward and funny. Um, because now you have that third dynamic, you have another, another person there. Mm -hmm. So the first time you were put into a situation where there was a wife who was very comfortable humiliating her husband, the first time you saw that, where did your head go? I liked it right away. I mean, like it, it resonated with me right away again. And, 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 and understanding the consent part of it. But I guess what it had even more of an impact on me than seeing a wife humiliate her husband was actually something more extreme. And that is, is, you know, there was a woman that I was dating at the time and we went to a lifestyle party. I think it was probably like the first lifestyle party that I went to. and you know, it was a, it was a takeover party, you know, at a hotel. And so this was a woman or a wife? No, this was a, a woman that I was with. She wasn't married. I'm saying we, okay. we had gone to a hotel party. Okay. And, you know, in one of the rooms, you know, the couple had rearranged their furniture in their room and they had a, a they had a, a portable St. Andrew's cross with them in their room. And the way that it, the cross was set up, was she had, the woman was the dominant. She had her husband on the cross and his back was to the door. So there were a group of people kind of standing at the door watching what was going on so we could see his back. And she was standing in front of her husband so we could see her face, but his back was to us. And he had a ball gag in his mouth. And this is how long ago this was. She was smoking a cigarette. Like she was smoking a cigarette in her hotel room. Um, Mm. And, you know, she was on her knees, like she was crouched down, you know, like squatting down, smoking a cigarette. And then she took like a real long drag to the, you know, the tip of it was glowing and she put it out on his balls. And I was like, I was like, damn. Yeah. But then as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, okay, that's not just some guy on that cross. That's her husband. And the last thing you know, I'm, I'm sure she loves this man. So she's not, she's like, she's not doing this to hurt him. Like he's on that cross. And you could hear him like moaning through the ball gag and everything. And I was like, he's on that cross because even though some of us watching may not understand it, he's on that cross because that's where he wants to be. I'm saying, and his wife is putting that cigarette out on his balls because on some level, she knows that he enjoys that. So between the two of them, that was actually an act of love. You know what I'm saying? As, as, as weird as that may be to wrap your head around in that particular instance, 
that's what it was. And for me, so how did you receive that? It, 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 it solidified that whole consent idea. You know what I'm saying? Like, because that was like, for me, that was an extreme form of consent. You know, that's not like calling somebody a name because they like being called a certain name. That's that, like, that's something that, you know, I, I, and nobody put no cigarette out on my balls. <laughs> I don't care how much I love them. You know what I'm saying? But, mm-hmm. but for them, he was on that cross because he had consented to being on that cross. She was putting that cigarette out on his balls because he had consented to that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm mm-hmm. sure that was in that situation. You're, you're watching it. Yeah. So the first time that you, you were in a situation with a couple where the husband was being humiliated. How, how was that situation and how did it make you feel? I liked it because I had already had an understanding that it was consent. So it didn't make me uncomfortable because for me, I saw that as no different from the way that a woman would respond to me when I call her a slut or I call her a whore or a cunt or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would turn her on and it would make her pussy wet, even though I'm calling her these bad names. So isn't that a form of humiliation? You know what I'm saying? So when I saw a wife doing that with her husband, for me, it was like, okay, it was the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, like he, t- he took on the same role as the women that I had played with. It's just the roles were reversed where in my case, it was the dominant guy telling, you know, using these words to a submissive female in their case, it was a dominant female using those words towards a submissive male. I'm saying, and so it was a very easy concept for me to wrap my head around. So it it didn't throw me off at all. It didn't, it didn't confuse me. It didn't make me uncomfortable. It was like, okay, I know this. I know what this is. I've done that. You, you know, you know what I'm saying? And being that I had a full understanding of the consent aspect of it it never struck me as oh why is she being so mean because i guess if i didn't know any of that i'd have been like wow why is she being so mean to him you know what i'm saying Mm. like they would it would have been very easy for me to have that response to it but since i was already familiar with it 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 never struck me as odd i was like oh okay so this is how they get down okay and so 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 now we at this point you've had numerous experiences so you you are going through a process where you have numerous experiences, you're meeting couples, you are going to events, you're having events. The day that you said to yourself, I want to start a podcast and talk about these things, what brought that on? Well, I I by the time I got had the idea to start the podcast, I had been involved in all this for almost 20 years. I'm saying I had learned a lot. I had seen a lot. I had heard a lot. I I talked to countless people over the years and helped a lot of people, you know, was able to give people good direction, good sound advice. I was able to help them. And I was like, you know what? It would be, it would be a shame to waste all of this knowledge that I have in my head, like there's gotta be something that I can do with it. And my first thought was, you know what? I could write a book, but then that didn't really click for me. Cause number one, I hate writing. I'm more <laughs> of a, ta- I'm more of a talker than a writer. And then it was like, well, who's going to buy my book? 
I mean, like I, nobody knows who I am. Ain't nobody going to buy my damn book. And then the, the main thing was these situations are so diverse. Like they're so unique. Like each one is its own thing. I was like, if I write a book, I'm, it's going to force me to be very general. I mean, and for me, I, I can't really be general with this because each situation is unique. So that kind of nicks the book idea, right? So then mm-hmm. the next idea was, well, you know, I, I, I guess I could be like a lifestyle coach. Like if people are thinking about getting into this lifestyle, I could kind of help them and answer questions for them and help them just kind of see things for the way that they are. But then again, it went back to that same problem I had with the book was, you know, ain't nobody going to pay me for this. Like who's going to come to see nobody again, nobody knows who I am. You hear what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. nobody's going to utilize that service. And then what wound up happening was, um, you know, at the time, my younger sister was doing a podcast with a girlfriend of hers, but they had like a pop culture podcast, you know, Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, like that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But it was a podcast. And she would tell me about it. And, you know, I was listening to podcasts at the time, but I, I never saw it as something that I could do. Like I would listen to different ones or watch YouTube channels or whatever. So I, I knew that people were doing them, but it just, it never struck me as something that I could do. But then once I learned that my sister was doing it, then I started asking questions like, well, how do y'all do that? Like, how do y'all record? How do y'all get it out yeah. there? And she put me in touch with the girl who was actually doing everything. And it just started to make sense. Like, okay, well I could record myself. Like I can talk. And you know, it allows me to be, to, to, it keeps me from being general because I can talk about each different scenario. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I took a chance and, you know, four years ago, I, I remember I, I, I recorded my first two episodes. I think I just did it on my phone or something like real basic. I thought maybe I borrowed a microphone from somebody and plugged it into my computer, but I recorded my first two episodes and I, I put them on this website and I just ask people to listen and, and give me their thoughts. I mean, like, give me your honest feedback on this. Like, is this something that you would listen to? And I got, I got really, really good positive feedback on it, you know? And it was like, Oh shit. I, I think I kind of stumbled onto something. And, mm-hmm. and at the time it was no, like, I looked, there was nobody talking about hot wifing or cuck holding or, the, you know, the interracial aspect of the lifestyle, like all of the podcasts that I was coming across were swingers. Like they were swingers talking about swinger stuff. Nobody was talking about this. And being that I had been involved with it for so long and I had seen how much the community had grown and how much the lifestyle had grown. I was like, yo, there's, there's, there's a lot here to talk about. Like Mm -hmm. a lot, there's a lot here to talk about. There are a lot of people involved with it. And it's only getting bigger. You know what I'm saying mm. like, it's only getting bigger. So I did those first two episodes and got a really, really positive response to them. And so I did a third one and a fourth one. And, you know, in the beginning I was wondering like, is, is there really enough going on in this lifestyle for me to keep talking about it? Or am I going to run out of shit to say? Mm. And it, it didn't take long before I got the answer to that question. Like you're never going to run out of shit to say. I mean, like this is true. It's true. The lifestyles are so, so big. Absolutely. And not only every, every single situation is different. Yeah. What it reminded me of is I guess it's, it's a lot like, uh, like sports channels, 
know what I'm saying? Or like, or like channels that talk about what's going on in sports. Like, even if you don't know what you're going to talk about next week, because it's this living, breathing, ever-changing thing, it's going to give you something to talk about. Mm-hmm. Like, just by it existing, it's going to give you something to talk about. And that's so how- now speaking of it, giving you something to talk about. Here's the next thing. Mm-hmm. Would you consider your podcast? Would you say it's designed as a guide or as a place to get knowledge and information on the topics of obviously hot wifing, cuck holding, um, bulls? Is it a, is it a resource? Was it designed to be a resource? Uh, it was, it was definitely designed to be a resource. Um, in the, in the beginning, I made the decision to, to make it informative. And what I mean by that is it would have been very easy for me to have a podcast that was strictly where the content was strictly about me talking about, Oh, well, I've been with this couple and this is what I did. And I had this party and this is what I did. Like where it was just me talking about my my various encounters. Cause by this time, like I said, I'd been in the game almost 20 years. So I had plenty of shit I could have talked about. I'd been hosting parties for almost 10 years. I'm saying, well, almost seven years at the time I started the podcast. So I had plenty of stuff I could have talked about that would have been very entertaining, but I don't think people would have really learned anything about the lifestyle from those encounters. I mean, from those conversations, Mm -hmm. that was one of the things that, that kind of caught people off guard about my podcast in the beginning because the setup was, okay, here's this guy. He's been in a lifestyle almost 20 years. He lives with two women. He hosts lifestyle parties, you know, hot wife parties, cuckold parties. He arranges gangbangs. Okay. There's going to be a lot of sex talk. Like this guy is going to be talking about sex a lot. And then they listen and it's like, well, damn, this dude ain't really talking about sex at all. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. I, I'm actually learning something here. Like, I, I didn't. This, this is not what I was expecting. You, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, if you want to hear about sex, you go to Old Face the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's O F A C E Z. So, so now I, this is one of the things, and and that was that kind of leads me to ask that question to to as as a a way to lead into my next series of questions. Keys and anklets. I mean, I've definitely spoke to quite a few people. I mean, um, because we've, we've been doing things together for a little while now. I mean, oftentimes we'll get someone who will reach out to me and say, Oh yeah, I heard about you on Keys and anklets, you know, and they will have questions. Now, <clears throat> When I give advice, because you know Mr. Mocha and I, we've we've counseled, mm-hmm. been been counseling people and coaching people in lifestyle for years. I give advice from a couple of different standpoints. You know, everyone gives advice differently. You know, you know, you and I talk all the time, and I, I kind of give it to you from my standpoint, but then I'll also give it to you from a standpoint based upon 
all the people I've spoken to. So all the people we've spoken to, all these experiences from coaching and, and yeah, different counters, I always kind of give experiences from my vantage point and then the vantage point of what I'll say the masses. When you give your advice to couples, to bulls, to um, to like cuckold husbands, where do you pull your where do you where do you pull your advice from? How do you advise them? Um, I mean, for me, again, ha- having been in it for so long. And talking to hundreds and hundreds and literally hundreds of actually into the thousands of people over those 20 years. After a while, things start to sound familiar. I'm saying like after a while you hear somebody talking and in your mind, you're like, okay, I've heard this before. This sounds really familiar. Now you don't cut them off or stop them from talking. You know, you still continue to listen, but things start to fit, things start to fit a pattern. You know what I'm saying? And so where the advice comes from is me just relaying to them what I've learned, you know, like, okay, I've, I've seen this situation before and I'm not necessarily saying that your situation is exactly the same, but there are certainly some core things that are, that you have in common. And In those situations, this is how things turned out, you know, and I always take the the, the point of with the advice that I give is all I can do is tell you, I can't make you take it. You know what I'm saying? All I can do is tell you, you know, the whole, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink kind of thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, so that's always the approach that I take. Like, and I, I, I try to be really careful about one having this preachy kind of energy about me. Mm-hmm. Like I always try to give advice with a high level of empathy. I mean, like I always try to understand where they're coming from. And mm-hmm. also- you do, you do. We, we actually, we, you and I had a conversation yesterday where you told me to be more understanding <laughs> 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 when dealing with, was was something that had frustrated me and that that so I will give you credit on that. You you definitely did say, hey, let's let's look at these factors before you uh, start biting people's head off. <laughs> and, the, and the other thing is, you know, because I like to maintain friendships and I like to maintain relationships. And so I always said that I would I would never be that I told you so guy. You know what I'm saying? Like if somebody were to come back to me after time had passed and let's say that they didn't take the advice that I give them and things ended up just the way I had predicted they would if they didn't make changes, I wasn't going to be that guy to be like, yeah, see, I told you if you would have just listened to me, you know what I'm saying? Like I wasn't going to be that guy Um, because I feel like in life, we hear that enough from people. I'm saying that like when you make a mistake, it's almost like they're not, I'm not going to say happy about it, but it's like they would rather gloat than be there for you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I, I told myself in the beginning that I'm, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to do that. I mean, even if, cause they know that you said it, you know what I'm saying that's my thing. Like they know that you told them, like, you don't need to say, I told you. So they know, you know what I'm saying, um, 
And it takes a certain amount of humility to come back to somebody and ask them for advice again when you didn't take their advice the first time and things wound up exactly the way that they said they were going to wind up. Mm -hmm. So why would I compound that and make it even harder for them by beating them over the head with the fact that, hey, see, if you would have just listened to me, none of that would have happened because no, nothing is going to change what happened. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So why even go there? So th th those were two of the things that I, I kind of set in stone that I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be preachy. And when people come back, I'm not going to be that I told you so guy. And so, so yeah. No, but I'm sorry. No. So, you know, like I said, just, you know, establishing the fact that, look, I've, I've seen a lot. I'm saying I've, I've, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. I've done a lot and I've heard a lot. And if you want to listen and understand that what I'm telling you is not me making assumptions, I'm saying that it's, 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 it's based on thousands of hours of research. And if you want to listen and apply what I'm telling you, even if you take a wait and see attitude, 99% of the time you're going to find out that, okay, this guy's kind of on point about that. And if you don't want to listen, cool. That's, that's your prerogative. You know I'm saying, and I'm not saying that it's definitely going to turn out bad. But at least, hopefully, I've given you food for thought. And yeah, yeah, you can work with the, the statistics. Statistically exactly. speaking, if you do this, this is going to happen. Exactly. You know, and maybe I can give you enough information to where you'll pause before, I'm saying, before doing something. So, so for your fourth year anniversary, Michael C., we need some advice. All right. <laughs> so we, we're going to get some Michael C., please name his advice. And we're going to start first with, let's start with the couples. As a couple, and we've talked about this before, but as a couple who's starting off into starting this journey and this, and, and this part of the lifestyle, Understand that the lifestyle is really an ecosystem that encompasses everything that is sexually alternative. Mm -hmm. So in this particular aspect of the lifestyle, we're talking about a couple who wants to either have a hot wife um, or a couple that is that wants to have a true cuckold dynamic. This is day one. You have a husband and a wife who sat down and they decide that they want to explore this, but they don't know where to start and they don't know what they're looking for. What do you tell them when they come to you and say, Michael C., we want to get into cuckolding. Where do we start? Uh, well, that answer today is different than that answer was four years ago. And what I mean Absolutely. by that, what I mean by that is now there are so many resources available. I mean, between, you know, not just my podcast, but, you know, your podcast and, you know, there are so many other podcasts out there from so many different perspectives. I mean, you have cuckold couples that have podcasts, you have hot wife couples that have podcasts, you have single women that have podcasts, you have single men that have podcasts. There are all these blogs that are out there. So now there is just this, because before that, 
four years ago, there were maybe a few books out there and porn. Like that was pretty much it. No, look, now I'm, I see. I'm gonna have to throw a rock at you right now. I got to throw a rock. Okay. Now you know I've been, I've been in it for a long time. Now, years ago when I was first introduced to cuckolding, I used to read. There was always a shit ton of just internet blogs. Mm-hmm. There were just so many blogs where you can go to. Now, of course, the resource that I found. I found that resource because it was actually sent to me by a a couple who blogged about our experiences. Right. So once they sent that to me, then I it opened the door. So there were lots of online blogs and people shared experiences, you know, but just like a lot of things. In every, in every era, you got to kind of know where to look for it. Absolutely. Now I think it's a lot more accessible, but, you know, once that door is open, like I was, like I, because this one particular couple, they blogged in multiple places and they blogged about our experience in those places and they were calling the husband, well, not they, the husband would be very excited about the comments, the responses and things that they would get from those blogs. So he just kind of turned into a a blog whore and just started blogging all <laughs> over. So, so it was very interesting to me back then to to look at that and read read his what he saw and his viewpoint of our experiences. Because, of course, when you have three different people looking at something, they're looking at it from three different vantage points. It's very interesting to see it from his vantage point, but there, there's been for many, many years, those resources, but you kind of had to be in the, you had to know where to look. And I think that just like four years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago, the problem is, is it's always there, but people need to know where to look. So now you're telling people, where to look and instead of going through all the trial and error that a lot of people had to go to, because no matter what, they're going to have to go through trial and error. Absolutely. But where do they start? You make a great point and you, you're, you're actually a hundred percent correct. It's not so much, like you said, the information was there. The, the, the thing that's different now compared to four years ago is number one, there's a community now, you know what I'm saying? Like when I first started, there were quite a few people who were involved in a community now who they were out there, but they each, each person was just doing their, his or her own thing. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like there was no, there was no sense of community. Whereas the thing that's different now is not only do you have more information out there, but it's almost like because of the community that has come up, it's centrally located. You know what I'm saying? Like now there's a community where you can go and you can ask a question and you'll get all of these different people saying, Hey, look here, look there, listen to this, listen to that, read this, read that, you know, call me, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Whereas before it was 
it was like the wild, wild west. Like everybody was just kind of doing his or her own thing. And it could, it, it could be very daunting. Like you said, for somebody who doesn't know, like, like where do, where, where do I start? How do I get this information? How do I, how do I even find that blog? Because you don't even know who the author is. Whereas now because of this community that has kind of sprung up and taken root now, you know, whether you're on Reddit or Twitter or, you know, Instagram or Facebook, like I, I, I see these communities all over the place now. So I'll say they're a lot more accessible to people. I mean, like it, it, it doesn't take, it doesn't take as much effort to find it. Like you can go on Google now and just Google cuckold podcast or, or hot wife podcast. And, you know, yours will come up. Mine will come up you know, Venus's will come up. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like just from a simple Google search, all of these things are going to come up. Whereas four years ago, if you type in cuckold podcast, you were going to get nothing. You might get like a swinger podcast where they talked about cuckolding for, for 30 minutes in an episode. Like, mm-hmm. like that's which that would be the result of Googling cuckold podcast or cuckold blog. Whereas mm-hmm. now if you do that, it'll send you down the rabbit hole because once you find like, all you got to do is find one podcast. Cause once you find one through the guests that they've had and the resources that are listed, you know what I'm saying? You know, like, yeah, it's a lot more, right? Like somebody can listen to me, find you. And then through you find someone like, uh, SN, you know, uh, SN sultry, your, your, you know, your good friend in mm-hmm. Atlanta, find her on Twitter find all the people that she follows on Twitter. You know what I mean, find the slut sisters through that. You know what I'm saying? Like it, mm-hmm. it, it opens up just these floodgates of different directions that they can take just from listening to that one episode. So I guess that's what I would mean is the thing that's different about now is the accessibility of everything. And the fact that there's a community of people who are more than happy to help. I had a, I had a cuck reach out to me the other day on Twitter and just pose a simple question like, Hey, this is a situation that I'm in. Is it possible that I can talk to you? And other people saw that and other people responded like, Hey, I'll talk to you if you want. I'm willing to talk to you like other husbands and other wives were like, Hey, I'll talk to you on the phone. You know what I'm saying? Like, Hey, just, you know, DM me. I'll give you my number. You know what I'm saying? Like, like just from that one simple post, you had all of these people who were willing to offer their assistance in any way, in any way possible. And I just, I just think that that's dope. You know what I'm saying that this community is so willing to reach back. And so, help. You're, so, so for your advice, the advice is going to be to reach out to the community. What's your advice for this couple? My advice what first would be to, to listen, communicate, figure like listen to different stories and pick out the things that resonate with you. Cause there's so many different ways to do. There's not just one way to cuckold. There's not just one way to hot wife. So gather as much information as you can and figure out what feels right to you. What feels best to you? Like almost like writing down that, that mental checklist, you know what I'm saying? Of, Okay, that couple does this. 
that that interests us or that couple does that. Nah, 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 that doesn't interest us. You know what I'm saying? For example, there are couples out there where he's always present when she plays. And then there are couples out there where, you know, where sometimes he's present, sometimes he's not. And then there are couples out there where he's never present. You know what I'm saying? So if you're a new couple, when you listen to stories like that, be honest about what you feel. In other words, okay, I, I, I think I would want to be there every single time. Okay, make a note of that so that you know, okay, when, when we start taking this journey, we want, we want this element in our dynamic. I want my husband to always be there. So you know, whenever you're ready for your first experience, if that first bull is like, nah, I'd rather play with you by myself the first time then you know, okay, cool. Well, you're not a good match for us because we already know based on the conversations that we've had that my husband will be present every time. You know what I'm saying? So I would say, you know, listen to all of these resources because here's the thing. This is your marriage. And with that being said, you really want to keep the trial and error to a minimum. Like I understand that there's going to be some trial and error, trial and error, but you really want to keep that to a minimum. You know what I'm saying? So gather as much information as you can. Kind of figure out what your core is as far as the way that you want to play, the, the type of dynamic that resonates with you, that speaks to you. You know, um, like if you're a cuckolding couple, just because you're a cuckold couple doesn't mean that humiliation is automatically going to be a part of it. You know what I'm saying the husband might be like, you know what? I'm not really feeling the humiliation thing. Like I like the chastity idea, but the humiliation part of it, I'm not ready for that yet. You know, so you make a note of that. Okay. Chat, you know, humiliation is not going to be a part of our dynamic, at least not now, you know, and, and you can gather that information by listening and by reading because like I said, this is, this is your marriage. I mean, so, you know, you need to put some, you know, you need to put some thought into you know, getting involved in this. Cause as I say, this lifestyle is a lot of fun, but it's not a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Always, and I, we've, we've always told people that the lifestyle is not a bandaid for your marriage. Right. If your marriage is uh, on the rocks. <clears throat> now, you know, I've had somebody say, Oh, I know this one couple that, you know, they were on the rocks, their relationship and they got into lifestyle and went, well, listen, I know this one guy that fell off of a five-story building and didn't die. <laughs> that doesn't mean <laughs> that that doesn't mean that that uh, you're going to have the same luck, and that doesn't mean statistically speaking it's going to work. You know, anytime we we're offering advice, that's for the vast majority of people. I mean, the vast majority of people, it's not going to work because you know you're introducing you're introducing you're you're trying to trying to walk over a bridge that has no foundation. You know, that's not what you're trying to do. You know, you want to have a good foundation before you introduce another dynamic. Which brings me to my next question. What advice do you have for the wife in this scenario, her specifically? Specifically, what do you tell a wife who her and her husband have both decided they're going to take this journey? But even though, like everything else, it may look good on TV or it may sound good in theory, but how do you prepare her for things that she's done experience? 
uh, how to prepare them? How do you prepare a wife for the things that she's going to experience in this tough core dynamic? I mean, that's kind of hard to say. I mean, like you, you can, you, you can tell somebody, you know, like you can give them an, an, an idea of, of, of what to expect, but it's, it's, it's really one of those things where you don't know how you're going to react to it until you're in it. You, you, you know what I'm saying? All I can do is, is let you know what to look out for, let you know what to be prepared for. So that when it happens, you don't overreact or panic. I'm saying that, you know, okay, this, this was expected. I'm saying, but when I say that, I think maybe I worded it wrong. Okay. So I'm not necessarily talking about, I'm just saying, for example, for me, if, if when I wife comes to me and say, Hey, this, we want to do, there's things you want to be prepared for. Number one, if you've never done this before, even though you want to do it, it's going to be a strange sensation because, because you love your spouse. Once you, you, you have this encounter, you may have some feeling that you may have done something wrong. Yeah. Yo. Even though he's okay with it. Also keep in mind that you may encounter multiple bulls that don't fit the bill. That doesn't mean that you want to stop. You also have to understand that your husband may experience some emotions, even though it's his idea and he wants to do it. He's still going to have to work through some emotions. And then as far as the trial and error, trial and error, you're going to have a lot of trial and error, but the trial and error that you have is something that's joint. You know, my wife and I have had lots of trial and error, but at the end of every situation, our trial and error, we wind up laughing about it or going, well, I guess we, we're not, we need to try something different. I mean, a lot of people think of trial and error as times when the husband and wife are on different pages. If you're on the same page and you guys are doing this together, then your your trial and error is going to be learned experiences. And a lot of your trial and error is going to be fun and wind up to be good stories. It's kind of like if you and your spouse decided that you guys have never painted before in your life and you're going to try to draw a painting that draw a painting of the house. You guys are going to mess that painting up 50 times. You're probably going to wind up laughing, you know, now as opposed to a situation where, you know, you guys are, one of you guys are doing something behind the other's back. That's not the kind of trial and error that I'm talking about. Right. You know, but I would also prepare her that you will have bulls who may want you to be dishonest to your spouse. So, that's what I mean by how do you prepare her? Because you're right. I can't experience it for you, but I can tell you things and, and, and pitfalls that you don't want, you don't want to land in. Mm-hmm. So that's what I meant by how do you prepare them for what they're going to be encountering the good and the bad. I mean, like you said, just, I mean, the mo- the most that we can do is, you know, trying to give you as much information like, you know, keep your eyes open for this or be aware that you may feel this, you know what I'm saying? Be aware that the first time you play with that, you know, with that bull. And if, if he, you know, he might pull his pants down and have like 10 inches that your husband may experience a, a, a slight feeling of inadequacy. If he's only six, you know what I'm saying? Like be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying be prepared for, like you said, the first time you do it, 
you may feel like you did something wrong because of everything that's been kind of drilled into your head from, you know, from a societal standpoint. So understand that these feelings may arise. Understand that, you know, the first time you do it, you know, it's not that your husband's not happy, but it, it may, the, the moment may be overwhelming for him. So all we can do is just try to try to tell people what to look out for because we don't know what's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? So all we can do is just kind of give almost like giving them a list of, okay, the, here are possible outcomes. Here are mm-hmm. possible things that you may feel or experience. Be aware of these things so that if something happens that we've that's unique to you right exactly if something happens that's on this list understand number one it's not an isolated incident i mean you're not weird you're not crazy you're not bad you're not wrong other people deal with it and here's how you can deal with it if it should come up i mean Mm -hmm. in other words here's here's to keep from overreacting or letting it get too big or letting it get blown out of proportion like, like there's one thing that you and Mrs. Mocha do that I, I try to tell couples to do. And that is you had said something on, I can't remember if it was my podcast or yours, or you guys were on someone else's, but you basically said that each encounter you guys had, especially in the beginning, each time you had an encounter, you basically debriefed each other afterwards. Like you talked about it. What went right? What went wrong? What what did we like? What didn't we like? Like each and every encounter you talked about. Now, each time, like as, as those experiences mounted, you know, it's almost like you built this library, you know, of experiences so that maybe the conversation you had in the beginning was much longer than the conversation you may have now, because you've, you've, you've stored up so much information that you can say the same thing in far less words now. Because you know, it's funny, believe it or not, the conversation now, it kind of starts off where in the beginning, oftentimes the conversation is not as long mm-hmm. because, because you still have two people who are often afraid to express how much they really enjoyed it or how much they really didn't, but they're trying to, you know, you know, not disappoint their partner. And now, you know, even after our, you know, our trip to Dallas, you know, we came back and I mean, we talked about it for days, laughed about it, talked about it, talked about the things that we liked, we didn't like things that we complained about. The things that you know, we we look forward to, things that we're going to do different next time, because the conversation is now a lot more open. The conversation, there's a true freedom of speech. In the beginning, in the beginning, oftentimes there is not that freedom of speech because you aren't sure what you can say. I can't tell you how many guys I've spoken to, and you know, or wives who said oh my God, I can't say how much I enjoyed that experience because it'll make my my spouse insecure or, oh shit, I mean, I watched him, I mean, I watched, I watched her fuck this guy and, you know, I've had those experiences many times where you fuck a wife and then the guy, the husband, 
you know, they say the wife says how much fun she had and you don't hear from her for six months because the husband just couldn't stomach that. Right. Seeing that for the first time. So I definitely think that our conversations have evolved into something different. But yes, I mean, you're, you are, they, they change, you mm-hmm. know, and we post game after everything we do. You know, we, when I record her, you know, I was, that one that we were laughing, you know, last week, I'm looking at some stuff that we recorded and, you know, I go in the room and jump on top of her <laughs> because I enjoy watching her, you know? So right. it's, it's certain things, you know, that, that, that conversation and that post game and that talking about it is huge. And in the beginning, I always tell people in the beginning, you're going to have insecurities. That's natural. It doesn't mean that if you tell your spouse about your insecurity, you're going to have to stop. It just means that now you have the, they have the opportunity to comfort you and they have the opportunity to reassure you because really that's all people usually need is reassurance, Mm -hmm. you know, and men need reassurance is like women need reassurance, you know? And so, and it just really depends upon the kind of person you are, how much reassurance you need so that you can step into the, so you can go out and do it again. Oftentimes that reassurance isn't given because the person who felt a certain way, the husband saw this for the first time, he's been watching it and he's been wanting to do it. And then finally I come through and I give your wife something she wasn't, he wasn't expecting her to give or she, you know, how many times you heard a guy say, well, she's never made that sound for me or she's never done that for me or she's never done. And now he's at home stuck in his head, but he doesn't tell her, you know? And so now she never had the opportunity to reassure him. And it takes them six months to get where they could have been after, you know, two or three days of conversation right after it happened. So absolutely post gaming to me is huge. No, absolutely. And I, I, that's one of the things that I try to encourage couples to do. You, you know what I'm saying? Is, 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 is talk about those things after, especially in the beginning. You know what I'm saying, I mean, people there's, like, there's a reason why every couple I talk to all say the same thing. When I talk to them about you know, what advice would you give other couples? That's communication, communication, communication. You know what I'm saying like it, like there's a reason why, like it's not just a, a, a buzzword. I mean, like there's a reason why everyone preaches communication and that's because it's, it's probably the most important thing. You got to talk about it. All right. So now the, the next the two more, so the next one is what do you tell these cuck husbands who want to be a cuck husband? Well, the, the first thing I, the first thing I tell them is, um, be sure that you want this, that you want this. Cause once you, once you open Pandora's box, I'm not saying that it's impossible to put the lid back on it, but you're going to have your work cut out for you. you know I'm saying, um, I, I had a, a, a cuck on my show once and he had some really interesting advice. And that was, he said that if, if, if this gets you off, jerk off and then think about it right afterwards. And if it still excites you, jerk off again. And if it still excites you, jerk off again. 
Now, if you're still excited about this lifestyle after like that third time, then cool. Start exploring it because we both know that there are those guys out there who the idea turns them on. And then once they get that nut, they're not really interested anymore. You know what I'm saying? Very true. You know, like as, as they call it, that, 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 that post nut clarity. Oh yeah. You I mean, know. that's probably the best piece of advice I've heard in a long time. You know, so I, I just thought that that was really, that, that, that was really interesting. Um, because like, and I say that to say there are a lot of husbands that, that come into this thinking about, oh, this is what gets me off. You, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. they almost view their wife as a prop in their fantasy. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. it's like, dude, she's a person. Like she, 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 you could present this to her, but ultimately she's going to do it, you know, in a way that makes her feel comfortable. She's not going to do this according to your script. You know what I'm saying? And so be mindful of that because I've seen uh, husbands get frustrated because over and over. yeah because in their mind they they already have the movie script and so when they tell it to their wife and she starts doing it if if she's not adhering to the script oh no you're not doing it right what do you mean i'm not doing it right i'm doing it you know what i'm saying like i'm i'm doing it the way that makes me feel comfortable i'm doing it the way that i like but because she's not hot wifing or cuckolding the way that they want her to it's a problem. And so that that's one of the things that I try to caution husbands against is look, all you can do is present it to her. You can tell her what you like. I mean, you could, you know, you could say things like, Hey, it would be nice if you, you know what I'm saying? But there's a fine line between it would be nice or it would turn me on if, and saying, I want you to do it this way. Sorry about that. No, that's all good. You know, and saying that, you know, almost demanding that they do it, you know, in a particular way. I mean, case in point, you know, I've encountered couples and it's on both sides. I've encountered couples where, you know, the husband would love for his wife to just be a slut and do gang bangs and, and, and that kind of thing. Whereas she's more about the, the, you know, connecting with one guy. You know what I'm saying? She's not really a sport fucker. Like, it's just not something that, that she's comfortable with. And then I've seen the opposite. I've seen where hus- where husbands would rather their wife kind of be, you know, have a connection, you know, a, almost like a boyfriend type where she's like, no, nah, I don't really want to have a connection. I'd much rather have several guys that I have in rotation that I see, you, 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 know, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's important. My advice for that husband would be listen to her. You know I'm saying listen to the way that she wants to go about doing this and pay attention to that and learn how to, to get your pleasure out of her finding her own way, instead of you trying to impose what you want on her. I'm saying, unless you have a dominant submissive dynamic, because then that's totally different. You know know what I'm saying? But for the cases that aren't that, I would definitely, you know, that would be my advice to those husbands. 
That, that to me is excellent advice because uh, I think that is probably, you know, that's something that I've complained about more than anything where oftentimes, you know, the, the husband is trying to drive the ship. Right. And he's only thinking about what he wants to see and what he wants to do. And I know in the past I have cut off couples. Um, I have had to cut off couples where I realized that the husband was trying to force the wife into a role that she wasn't comfortable in. And he was trying to use me as a tool to assist in that. And I've always felt like I am not here to give him pleasure. I am here to give her pleasure, you know, and through her pleasure where he gets his. And I was, I'm not interested in doing that vice versa. So I've definitely cut couples off. And I've, I mean, I've had that conversation where, you know, both of them are reaching out to me. Okay, well, you know, why aren't you going to deal with this anymore? And I've had that very honest conversation with the husband. Like, listen, you're, you're trying to manipulate me into making her do something that she doesn't want to do for your pleasure. And that's a conversation I've had multiple times with multiple husbands because they feel like, oh, just because she's getting something she should she should do whatever he wants but it's like you know it's it's no fun if they can't come to an agreement between the two of them that's going to benefit the both of them you know and i think that that is really really good advice for the husbands and you know both of them will have to compromise but they should compromise before the bull is involved right that's they should figure that out before they involve a third person no, absolutely. Or, or figure out as much as they can. Cause sometimes, I mean, I'm, I, I try to look at things for what they are. And I, I realize that sometimes people don't, you know, you don't know what you don't know. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes they don't know until they get in a situation, but that's where it becomes so important to do what you and Mrs. Mocha do, where you have that kind of post game talk, you know what I'm saying? So that, it never accumulates. There's never any spillover. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you, you've talked about it as soon as it happened. Like, Hey, when you did this with that guy or when that guy did X, Y, Z to you, I didn't really like that. So that way it doesn't happen again. You, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it happened that one time you talked about it. You, 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 you said how it made you feel, whether it was her not liking something or him not liking something. And you stopped it right there. Now you didn't know to lead with that because you did you'd never been in that situation before. So you didn't think to, you didn't think to address that. Like it would be nice if you could cover everything beforehand, but sometimes you miss things. I'm saying sometimes there are things that you didn't necessarily account for, Mm -hmm. but but once you, once you experience it, once you're in that moment, talk about it. Like if you're, if you're a wife and something makes you uncomfortable, don't sit on it. Talk about it. If you're a husband and something went down and it made you feel uncomfortable, don't sit on it. Talk about it. Cause yeah, I actually had something weird. Well, not weird. Something that's happened before happened about three weeks ago. And of course, from, you know, from a bull standpoint, you know, it pissed me off. So I'm, I was on um, the site black to white. So, you know, I'll post videos on there sometimes. And there's a a couple that reached out to me and, you know, life is so busy. 
sometimes, you know, I'm not always quick to get to look at it because I'm not always on it. So and wife reaches out to me, you know, we're kind of chatting back and forth, chatting back and forth. She gives me her phone number. Um, it took me a minute to actually get around the call. And so I reached back to her on black, black to white, you know, we're having this, this dialogue. And so she asked me to call her. So I call her. She doesn't answer. So I leave a text message, you know, Hey, how are you? You know, and you know, just, you know, we talked to black to white, you know, looking forward to actually getting to meet you because she says she wants to meet blah, blah, blah. So I get a message. Don't call my phone. My husband gave you this number and I didn't, I don't, I'm not interested. So now <laughs> that means that this entire series of conversations that I've been having was not with her. So fast forward like maybe two days. No, I, I responded back. I'm so sorry. You know, I apologize. I completely understand. No words. Then a couple of days later, I get, get a message from her. Hey, I'm sorry. I, I am interested. Um, my husband blindsided me, but I, but I would like to meet you. Now, let's go back to, you know, we talked about this before. I didn't respond mm -hmm. because you've already, you've already, you've already shown me that you are on the same page. So why am I going to step into this situation where you've already shown me that, you know, you're being deceptive, first of all, because we had weeks worth of conversation where you pretended you were her. Right. Then you give me her number without telling her you give me her number. So this means what happened was you've done this so many times. Her response to me was one of being pissed off. Like this isn't the first time this clown's done this. And then she probably went and ripped him a new one. And at that point, you know, he probably should, she, he probably showed her the videos and the pictures. And she said, okay, I do like this guy. I'm going to reach out to him. That's not how you do it. Because I think that you will rope in an inexperienced bull doing that or or a desperate bull. But no, I've got no desire to be a part of your whatever game that you guys are playing, you know, which 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 is one of my biggest. And this has happened to me so many times. And this has happened over years that things like this happen. And it's like that is probably one of the things that when couples reach out to me looking for a bull, I'm so hesitant now because it's like seven out of 10 is this clown who does stuff like that, which to me, I think those guys ruin it for the people who are actually serious. And I wish there was a way to just send out a broadcast that just says, knock it the fuck off. <laughs> Stop <laughs> You know, and that's just my thought process on the situation. No, I mean, you, you make very good points. I mean, like, like you're already showing me that, 
that, like you said, did y'all aren't on the same page? Like, why would, like, it's almost like a hornet's nest. Like, I'm not trying to go in there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that, that, like, there's nothing about that that's appealing to me. Like, that's an, as I often say, that's an accident waiting to happen. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like when you see that, that, that hot pot on the stove and, you know, how you teach your kids, don't, you know, turn the handle around. When you see that hot pot on the stove and the handle is sticking out, you see it. And as a parent, all you see is an accident waiting to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like you can almost see the kid walking by and bumping it and something hot spilling on them. And so, you know, you want them to, Hey, you know, there, there are preventive measures that you can take, you know? Yeah. And when couples kind of come at it that way, you know, like I'm sure you've been approached with the same BS where the husband is like, Hey, yeah, I want somebody to seduce my wife. I'm like, dude, that's not going to happen. No, it's not my job. Not not only is it not my job, but ba- basically what you're saying to me is you want me to get your wife to cheat on you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you've shared nothing about your desires with her, but yet you want me to approach her or meet her somewhere and just start flirting with her and have, you know, somehow convince her to do something with me without you having any knowledge of it. So basically what you're asking me to do is you want me to get your wife to be unfaithful to you. Like that's, that's the fantasy shit. Like that's, that's not a reality based approach. No. And whenever somebody approaches me with that, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, you miss me with that. Like I ain't got time for that. Cause you're, you're not thinking about this like a rational human being. I understand that it's a powerful fantasy for you and I get it, but I, 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 routinely don't deal with people who I feel have kind of lost touch with reality. <laughs> I find it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find, I find it. Exactly. Yeah. I find it exhausting, you know, no different than the guys that are like, Hey, I want my wife to, to, you know, it, it, you know, experience a black guy or experience a gangbang. Okay. Yeah. Dress her up in something real slutty and drop her off at a bar in a bad part of town. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Like that's, you know, or even the ones who are like, hey, so uh, me and my wife, we're going to be at the counter over at the W Hotel. I just want you to walk up and flirt with her. I'm like, has she ever done this before? No. So you mean tell me that your Christian wife, who's never flirted in front of you, all of a sudden when I walk up and I try to hit on her, she's going to be receptive. Like, dude, this is just something that you're playing out in your head. You know, or my very, my very, very favorite is this someone like, and I've said this a thousand times, someone looks at my profile, sees all the videos and all the pictures and then sends me a message. Hey, would you like to meet my wife? Um, you've got no pictures in your profile. You didn't send a picture of your wife. So let me get this straight. You reached out to me because there was a physical attraction and now you don't send, I don't even respond anymore. Now I just delete the message right off the bat. Just, mm. just delete it. Like, are you, I mean, like, how am I supposed to know? Like, how am I supposed to know if I like her? Your profile has no pictures. I mean, you don't got a picture of, of nothing. And so now we're going to start, we're going to start out with you feeling somehow that my psychic ability can tell me that I'm physically attracted to your wife. Right. No. You know, I like how you said that people who are not in touch with reality, I, I definitely try to steer clear of those people. Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> like I said, it's it's exhausting. Yes. So the very last one, the very last one. So we talked about the couple, the wife, the husband. Now, for the new bulls, 
who've seen it, they've heard about it, and they're trying to get into this lifestyle. How do you tell them? What advice do you give them to become successful in the lifestyle? Um, again, like I said, the, the answer now is a lot different than it was four years ago, just because of the, like, like we said earlier, the accessibility, you know, now they can listen to brothers like yourself. I mean, uh, you know, who, who, who've been there and who've done it and who've learned from it. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I was fortunate enough to come across an older guy in a lifestyle who took me under his wing. I understand that everybody doesn't have that option, but because of the community now and because of the information that is out there, you can still learn from people who've done it. You know what I'm saying? Like the education is still there. Even if you don't directly know the person, the information is there um, because there are different ways to, to go at it in this lifestyle. Like you, you, you cannot know anything and still get laid. If that's what you're trying, if that's all you're trying to get, you know what I'm saying? Or you can get involved in this and make wonderful, long lasting friendships and relationships with people. You can have a wonderful reputation. You know, you can get to the point where women and couples are knocking on your door because they were, because you were referred to them by someone because of the reputation that you have. And if that's the route that you want to go, if that's the point that you want to get to, meaning if you want to be not just a bull, but an exemplary bull, you know, then educate yourself, uh, have some humility about yourself, you know, understand that it's, it's, it's not really about you. And I've, I've used this analogy many times. I don't, I don't take credit for it, but it's, I feel as though it's very appropriate in the sense that, you know, uh, you're Darth Vader, like we're you, me, other bulls, we're Darth Vader in this movie. In other words, we're not the star. It's not to say that our part isn't important. It's not to say that we can't steal every scene that we're in. It's not to say that we can't be very memorable and the favorite part of the movie. It's just, we're not the star. You know what I'm saying? And so by having that humility, by understanding that if I make sure that she has a great time, if I make sure that he has a great time, nine and a half out of time, nine and a half times out of 10, if I come at it with that approach by me being unselfish they're going to make sure that I have a great time. In other words, I don't have to come at it from a selfish perspective because by them seeing that I'm unselfish, that's going to encourage them to be unselfish as well. And then everybody is going to wind up having a great time. So I would say, educate yourself, learn, listen, have some humility. Um, uh, our brother Caleb said something during his episode that I found very poignant was what is your brand? You know what I'm saying? Like at the end of the day, as a bull, what is it that you are hanging your hat on? Like what type of bull do you want to be? You know what I'm saying? You know, are you priding yourself on your intelligence, your refinement, your physical prowess, your 
worldliness? Like what, what is it that at the end of the day you are hanging your hat on? And don't, don't be afraid to lean into that. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't be, it's not a bad thing to have a brand and be, and, and be consistent with what your particular brand is. My brand is not the next guy's brand. The next guy's brand is not going to be my brand. Doesn't mean that his is better than mine or mine is better than his. It's just about being comfortable in the lane that you occupy and understanding that every wife is not going to be, every wife is not going to buy what you're selling. It's nothing personal. You know, I, I, I often tell the, the story that, that involved you and I at Splash, at the first Splash we met. You, you know what I'm saying? Where, mm-hmm. you know, I, I met the couple and, you know, the, the, the husband in his own unique way was like, hey, man, you know, my, my wife likes guys that are, you know, more in shape with abs. You know, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then I went and got you and I introduced you to them as my man abs. <laughs> you, know what I'm saying? you know what I'm saying? Like, like I wasn't their cup of tea and that's cool because every wife is not going to be your cup of tea. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, 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 it's nothing personal. There's no reason to get upset or angry or, you know, how dudes can be sometimes, you know, you try to talk to a girl oh, and if goodness. she's not with you, I mean, well, fuck that bitch. I wasn't, I ain't want her anyway. You know what I'm saying? You know. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy. I mean, it was funny. I actually had, I've had to to pull a guy aside at an event, and at a party, because there was one particular woman that did not like him, and he didn't understand why. And this has happened on multiple times. And I, you know, at events, you know, I'm a little more subtle. Right. But I remember at a house party, you know, we we're having a house party, and that particular party, I mean, we probably had. <laughs> 17, 18 couples and about, you know, 17, 18 guys. And there was one particular woman that this guy wanted to play with. And he had played with four or five that night. And, you know, like he just, you know, he keeps kind of just following her around. And, you know, you know, she discreetly pulled me aside and said, you know, I don't know how to tell this guy that I'm not interested. So, you know, I go and grab and say, hey, come here, let me talk to you real quick. I take him outside to my garage and I'm like, dude, there's 20 women in this fucking house. Fuck a different one. Mm-hmm. You can, you're not gonna fuck them all. They're not gonna. They're not all gonna like you. They don't all like me. Go fuck a different one. Quit following her around. And he's like, oh, you know, I just, you know, I, I didn't mean to be like that. I didn't, under, you know, I just didn't understand why she didn't like me. You know, and of course, me and my, uh, my not, my my not uh, politically right. correct mode. I mean, my answer was my answer was very simple. Who gives a fuck? She don't like you. She don't explain why she don't like you. She don't like you. You're not everybody's cup of tea. So either go find somebody else or call it a night. And you know what he did? He wouldn't found somebody else, and he never did that again. Everybody's not gonna want you. That's just how life works, you know. And that is definitely something that a lot of these guys have to understand because I have definitely encountered a lot of guys. Who, because in their mind, they're the best thing since sliced bread. They believe they should be that way to others, you know. And we recently had a conversation. You know, we interacted with a, a guy who I know and I and we're 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 good friends. But he gave a group of people a group of people the impression that he was the best thing in there, and that turned 
off about 60% of the women. And it also turned off about a hundred percent of the guys because it's like, dude, you know, we all think that we're good looking dudes, but we don't walk around acting that way. And then, you know, he was getting pouty when he couldn't play with the woman he wanted to play with because she wasn't interested, you know? So gentlemen, don't be that guy. (laughs) Do not be that guy because there's not always going to be a guy around you like me who's going to pull you aside and be your friend and say, Hey, knock the fuck off because what would have wind up happening was the female, the, the lady at the party would have wind up t- saying it to her girlfriends and then nobody would have wanted to play with them. Right. You know, or no husband would have allowed him to play with their wife because that type of personality and attitude can usually has taught couples that this guy can be problematic. So don't be that guy. Absolutely. How, how you handle rejection is very important in this lifestyle. Very important. I'm saying, and you know, there are different ways to handle it. Like you said, you could be there. There are guys that get angry. There are guys that are, you know, indifferent, like they're kind of cold, like they accept it, but they're kind of cold about it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you can laugh about it. Like, all right, well, cool. You know, like me, like, Hey, okay. If I'm not your type, let me try to find you somebody that is your type. You know what I'm saying? Because you know what? On the off chance, that that simple gesture might make you look at me differently. One hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? One hundred percent. You 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 never yeah. know. So yeah, I would I would say because because there's going to be rejection. I don't care who you are. I don't care how big your dick is, how in shape you are. Every guy in this lifestyle experiences some level of rejection. Yes, it's inevitable. Yes. It is inevitable. You know what I'm saying yep. there is no guy out there that is everybody's type. You know I'm saying. So learn how to deal with it and don't take it personally. You know I mean? Yeah. And the, the crazy thing is, you know, they're, you know, you never know why you're being rejected. You never know if, you know, on this particular day, this wife is paying attention to her husband and she knows that we, we, I had a situation at trapeze where there was a, a couple, I had played with her previously, had a great time. And every time I saw her after that for like, a year and a half, she avoided me like I was a plague. I mean, I just assumed I mean, she didn't have a good time. So, I mean, I never, I, mean, I never pressed it. You know, I told Mrs. Mocha. And then one night, probably a year and a half, two years later, we're at the bar and she's half in a bag and she walks over and she's by herself and she walks over and she goes, Hey, can I talk to you? Which was strange because we hadn't spoken. And she said, you know, I just want to let you know, honestly, I know it seems like I avoid you because I do. <laughs> I'm saying to myself, excellent. <laughs> That's a good way to start the conversation. And then she just continued to say, you know, you are the kind of guy I dated before my husband. And you made him, you made him and you make him very insecure. So that's why I avoid you. It's nothing against you. I had a great time. I wish we could do it again. And then she just, you know, fluttered off into the wind. And, you know, Mrs. Moko, you know, she was kind of standing off and she walked over and said, you know, what'd you say? And I told her what she said. And, you know, of course, me and Mrs. Moko, we talked about everything. So, you know, she was like, oh, that makes sense. Because after that, we, she was kind of restricted to a certain type of guy you know, that she would play with. So you never know why someone is rejecting you. 
And had I been a dick about it or acted like a baby about it, that would have just compounded the way she felt because she already felt bad because her husband's insecure and her husband can't deal with her, you know, dealing with the kind of guy that she likes. And then on top of that, I would have turned, if I had turned around and been a dick about it, you know, she's stuck, she's crushed between a rock and a hard place and she's getting, she's, she's being made feel bad from every angle. You know, you never know what's going on with a person. So right. learn to accept rejection because you never really know why. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, that's probably the best advice that I could offer, you know, the, 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 the new guys, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, humility, learn, listen, learn how to accept rejection. You know what I'm saying? And, and understand that it's not all about you. Yeah, yeah. So now before we close it up, I have to apologize. All right. I know things got noisy a little bit <laughs> here and there, but you know, I just had surgery, so I had to get up and kind of walk around a little bit uh-huh. because, you know, I started getting uncomfortable sitting in one spot. So, you know, I, I walked outside for a second to the back deck and, you know, I got my headphones on. So I forget that I hear you crystal clear <laughs> and you hear everything that's happening in the background. So I apologize for that, you know, and then at one point, like when you tell when you sent me the message, hey, dude, you're making too much fucking noise. I'm trying to be quiet. I knock the damn dog bell off the door. I'm like, <laughs> I bet he's saying this up. This guy's a jerk. <laughs> need I need I bring up the chips incident during the roundtable episode? <laughs> well, hey, listen, I've been trying my best here with this bag of peas not to make noise. I just want you to know how hard it's been not to make noise with this bag of peas. Okay, so I just I get a little bit of credit. The chips that day, once again, I can hear you perfectly clear my microphone. I had no idea that I was crunching in everybody else's ear. <laughs> what the fuck is that noise? I should have started blaming on other people. What the fuck is that noise? Yeah. Uh, I told on myself. Yeah, you, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, sorry. So I have to say happy anniversary to Keys and Anklers to Michael C. Mike, it's, it's been a... a, a privilege and a pleasure just to get to know you so well, you know, over what feels like the last 20 years, but it's definitely not been that long. Um, I appreciate you bringing me on your anniversary show and let me actually be your guest host, you know, have an opportunity to interview you because I think oftentimes, you know, us as the host, we don't, we don't always get to share a background. And I think that backstory oftentimes is something that makes people relate to us more. Right. Because people tend to just see us as, you know, they, they, they see us as just kind of a voice or someone who knows these things. But, you know, I can say, you know, truly from the time I was, you know, a younger age all the way up through, there's a, all those experiences made me who I am, even in, in the lifestyle. And I think for people to hear your backstory, what it does is helps people realize that you didn't just wake up one morning. and was like, Oh, I'm a bull in the lifestyle. You know, that's not how it happened. There was a lot of, like we said before, trial error experiences and things that created this. I mean, you got help, you know, and you get help from everywhere. You get help from the couples, you get help from other, other bulls, you get help from single females, you get help from, you know, tripping and falling on your face and realizing, oh, I don't want to take that step again. But right. for people to be able to see it and then see what made Michael see and what made, 
Michael C. made Keys and Anklets, and now they have a show and a resource that they can enjoy and that we can all enjoy. That's a beautiful thing, and I, I hope to hear you doing this, you know, in four more years from now. That's the plan, man. That's the plan. Like Puff used to say, can't stop, won't stop. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, on that note, I I guess I get to end the episode. Thank you for joining the Keys and Anklets. Well, hold on. Before you end it, before you end it, I just want to say thank you to everyone who made these four years possible. Thank you, brother, for agreeing to do this and be a part of it. I mean, like you said, I know it's only been like a little over a year that we've known each other, but it feels like a lot longer. You know what I'm saying? And I'm definitely proud to, to, to call you my brother. And I like being able to kind of let people listen in on our conversations. Cause like I said, we do this shit on the regular, so, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just glad we don't have to pay for long distance no more because <laughs> no shit. we both be sitting at the pay phone sliding in a bunch of quarters. We'll be writing letters. Yeah. So I want to say thank you. And thank you to everybody out there. Who's, you know, who's, who's supported it. And especially those who've been rocking with me from the beginning. You know, I wouldn't be able to, to to keep doing this if it wasn't for y'all's support. So from the bottom of my heart, man, thank you. I, it's it's truly appreciated. So thank you. Well, I guess I'll be seeing you on the next episode. That's what's up, man. We're listening to you on the next episode. <laughs> I'll talk to you way before then or I'll listen to it. We talk it. We have an episode every day. We just don't record it. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. I mean, and, uh, I look forward to the, the people getting to listen to this. All right. So on that note. <laughs> I am your guest, Michael C. <laughs> it has been another episode of the Keys and Anchors podcast. Thank you, Mr. Mocha. And I'll see you when I see you. Peace. All right. Peace.